Good evening. This is Patrick Donahue. Appreciate you listening every Sunday night at this time for Bible Crossfire. The name is supposed to indicate that you're allowed to call in and get in the crossfire. In other words, we discuss what the Bible says on biblical issues. And I recognize that you might disagree with me. That's fine. Call in and let's talk about it in a civil way. Uh, Let's discuss it in a reasonable way. And then let's let the Bible give us the answer to whatever issue is under consideration. Because, you know, Pat Donahue can be wrong. You can be wrong. We're not inspired. But the Bible was written by God, in effect. Every bit of it's right. It's what we call inerrant, without, without error. And so whatever it tells us about whatever subject we're talking about is going to be correct, going to be accurate 100%. And so we want to talk about uh, what the Bible has to say on any particular topic. We should prove what we're trying to affirm with book, chapter, and verse. And if we don't prove it with book, chapter, and verse, then we're just really talking off the top of our head. My friend Anton from Alberta, Canada. Go ahead with your Bible question or comment, please, Anton. Hi, Patrick. How are you doing? You back home or are you traveling today? I am traveling again, but uh, uh, I'm uh, back in Winterland again. Okay. <laughs> so, uh, I'm, I'm in Canada, so it's, it's a lot colder here than, uh, than at your, where you're at. I'm and glad I'm down here and not up there. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. I believe you. <laughs> uh, thank you. Thanks for the opportunity to give me uh, the opportunity to talk to you. Go ahead, uh, friend. I um, I wanted to say you have mentioned in the past that uh, the thief on the cross uh, was part of the old covenant and therefore didn't to, didn't need to be baptized in order to be saved. Right? Is that correct? Yeah. That that's in a, you summed it up. In a quick way, pretty good. Yes, sir. That's correct. Okay. Uh, You also have said in the past that when Jesus died, that's when the new covenant started, right? It was the old covenant, and then with the death of Jesus, a new covenant starts. Is that correct? Not exactly. No? No, the old covenant was nailed to the cross, so that's when the old covenant passed. That's Colossians 2. Verse 14 says it was nailed to the cross. But when you look at Hebrews 9, 15 through 17, I think we've read this on the air before. I'll just start in verse 16. It says, For a testament is, there must also of necessity be the death of the testator. Now, there's an analogy being made here between the kind of will we would have. Like when my parents died, they had a will, and it didn't go into effect until after their death. Okay. So verse 17 says, For a testament is a force after men are dead, otherwise it is of no strength at all while the testator liveth. So the analogy to our last will and testament that we do here, the testament that's under consideration here, Anton, I think you know, is the New Testament. That that will, that, uh, that law, the New Testament law, and it says that it did not come into effect until after Jesus died. After okay, Jesus so died. How, how long after? Well, let me turn to see if I can find this passage that's coming through my head. It's Luke 24, Luke 24, in verse 47. Now this, Anton, you're familiar with what we call the Great Commission, right? Yes. So so we have have three accounts. We have three accounts, at least, of the Great Commission. 
Matthew 28, 19 and following, Mark 16, 15 and following, Luke 24, 47 is another account of the Great Commission. And what I was saying uh, about the thief on the cross is that baptism being required for salvation is first required by the Great Commission. And in Luke 24:47 it kind of indicates to us when that came into effect, when the great the laws or the commandments of the great commission came into effect. And let me read it to you. Luke 24:47 says in that repentance and remission of sins should be preached in his name among all nations beginning at Jerusalem. So that's giving us a time frame beginning at, beginning at Jerusalem and that's referring to Acts chapter 2 on the day of Pentecost, which was 50 days after, approximately, I think, that Jesus died, we have the day of Pentecost. Peter preached what we consider to be the first gospel sermon. This verse would be saying that this great commission started being applicable in Acts 2, beginning at Jerusalem. You familiar so that, with Acts 2, Anton? So that, so then, then actually... The, the the new covenant doesn't start at the death of Jesus. I, I've heard you say in the past that the new covenant starts when Jesus died. That so that that wouldn't be true then. Yeah, what I've actually said in the past is that the old covenant was nailed to the cross. Right. That means it ceased when Jesus died. But uh, I think if you were listening carefully, and I got into detail here, the new covenant did not go into effect until. The day of Pentecost, this says beginning at Jerusalem, which would be, that's where they were on the day of Pentecost. They were all at Jerusalem and Peter started preaching. That's when, Anton, and you got a very good question. So we have the Great Commission, and one of the, in the, the commission in Mark says, He that, Jesus said, Go into all the world, preach the gospel to every creature. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved, but he that believeth not shall be condemned. It seems then so that, that verse. There was, then there was a, a time period from the Old Covenant to the New Covenant where there was no covenant at all? There was a transitional period, I w I was the way I would take it. Let me, let me, I'm going to let you talk again, but let me finish my last sentence. So, so Mark 16, 16 said, Jesus, he said, Go into all the world, preach the gospel. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. When did they start preaching the gospel? Well, that's in Acts 2, and you can see that from Acts 2.38. That's the first time in Acts 2.38 that baptism is required for salvation, and I'm talking about the baptism of Christ in the name of Christ. It says, this is Acts 2.38, Anton. Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins. So baptism is preached to be for the remission of sins. I'm talking about baptism in the name of Christ, starting in Acts 2, verse 38. Oh, okay. So before, me, before that time, they, they didn't need to be baptized in order to be saved. Like be, fr from yeah. from when Jesus, like from before, like uh, the like let's say uh, the old, like the whole old covenant, and then until the uh, the apostle, until Peter preached that first sermon. That that's when when baptism started. Under the new covenant, yes. Let me give you another little illustration here to under, help you understand my point, Anton. Do you remember Romans 10, 9 and 10? It says, That if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. Well, I'll stop there. That says that a person, to be saved, has to believe that God raised Jesus from the dead. Do you see that in Romans 10, verse 9? Right, yeah. 
Well, see, the thief on the cross couldn't have believed that. Jesus hadn't been resurrected from the dead yet. So, so Romans 10, 9 requires that a person believe that Jesus was raised from the dead, past tense. He has to believe that to be saved. Well, there's no way anybody could have believed that until after uh, Jesus no, was but, resurrected. Uh, from- Jesus, Jesus told him, right? I mean, Jesus told him that uh, th- uh, today you will be with me in paradise, right? Right, right. And so that's right. You're right. And so my point is from Romans 10, 9, that you couldn't do what Romans 10, 9 says to do to be saved until after Jesus was resurrected. But the thief was saved way before Jesus. He was forgiven of his sins before Jesus died. He was forgiven of his sins before Jesus was resurrected. So he didn't have to obey Romans 10, 9 in order to be saved. That's my point, Anton. Romans yeah. ten nine is a New Testament requirement. Couldn't have, couldn't have been required until after Jesus was resurrected because nobody could believe that Jesus was resurrected until after it happened. So the thief obviously didn't live under the New Testament law. He lived under the Old Testament law, just like we read about in Hebrews nine fifteen through seventeen. So the thief cool. the, the thief didn't need wash, uh, water to wash away his sin yet. But then after Peter preached the message. From that point on, you needed to wa- water to wash away your sin. You, you, you needed to be you need to be baptized to get yeah, your sins wa- washed away. Uh, with water, yes, right? Yeah. Remember what we were talking about last week, and I know you were listening because you called in. It yeah. said An- Ananias told Saul to arise and be baptized and wash away thy sins, calling on the name of the Lord. So the point at which his sins were washed away by the blood of Christ was when he was baptized in water, Anton. Uh huh. I mean, what else well, could that? I, I'm still, uh, yeah, I, I'm still not uh, getting the point that uh, that you have to do the work of baptism in order to be saved. You know, like I, I, uh, I, I you know, I, I'm still not convinced. Yeah, I understand. You know, what do you think about that passage, Anton? First Peter three twenty one verse the Noah and the eight souls being saved by water. And then it basically says the light figure we're into baptism doth also now save us. So it's, it's talking about the Noah and the eight souls being saved through water as the type. And then it names, if you see the King James, New King James make this even clearer. It names baptism as the antitype or the reality. And it says baptism saves us. What would that mean, Anton, if it doesn't mean you don't have to be baptized to be saved? Well, I don't believe that you have to be baptized in order to be saved. That's that's number one. I I don't think the Bible is teaching that, but I believe that uh, we're celebrating when like I'm I'm not against baptism. Don't understand me wrong. I'm I'm totally for baptism, but uh, right. uh, I I believe that we're celebrating after we're saved that we're celebrating with our baptism. You know, like when I when see I what you're saying, saved, Anton. I remember that. When I was saved, I, I remember that uh, exactly when it happened, and then uh, it, it uh, was not until uh, quite a few weeks later that I got baptized. You know. Okay, but but you didn't tell me what you thought. First Peter three twenty one is definitely talking about water baptism because it's, there's a point made to connect back to the eight souls being saved through water, and it says. Talking about water baptism, it says, Baptism doth also now save us. How could that verse be true if we don't have to be baptized to be saved? Well, we'll have to, we would have to, read it in, have to read it in context and maybe the, the, understand the meaning of what it means. You know, like uh, understand yeah. exactly what it means, you know? Okay. I want you to go back for your homework, Anton, 
Okay. And uh, go back and study First Peter 3.21, and you can s- send me an email or a text or, or call back in next week. But let me mention to you that other passage I mentioned earlier in Acts 2.38. We already read it, but it was really for a different reason. But I want to emphasize what it says. So here we have some Jesus. I mean, Peter's preaching what we call the first gospel sermon. He accuses these Jews of crucifying the Christ. And they said, what shall we do? In other words, it says they were cut to the heart. They, they right. felt guilty about what they had done. What shall we do? He says, repent and be baptized for the remission of sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost, Acts 2.38. Now, that yeah. sounds like to me, Anton, that not only is baptism necessary to salvation, but the very reason you have to do it is for the remission of sins. Do you follow my point? Yeah. The, the, to me, it uh, seems like uh, Cornelius and his family received the Holy Spirit, so God was in the person already. And then after that, they celebrated the, the whatever, uh, you know, like the, the, the mm-hmm. conversion, you know? Yeah. Cornelius and his household definitely received a miraculous measure of the Holy Spirit before they were baptized. But as we pointed out, I think it was last week, possibly with another caller. I, the no, miraculous. I we, we talked about it last week. Okay, the miraculous measure of the Holy Spirit doesn't prove that a person's saved. Remember, Saul of Tarsus received the whole, uh, had the Holy Spirit fall upon him and enable him to prophesy. First Samuel nineteen. The very while he was plotting to kill God's anointed David. That's First Samuel nineteen. Balaam's donkey. God used the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit through him spoke. That didn't prove the donkey was saved. And Caiaphas in John chapter eleven prophesied through the Holy Spirit that Jesus should die for that nation. It says he prophesied through the Holy Spirit. But you wouldn't think he was saved. He was an unsaved Jew Jew at that time, Anton. Patrick, who knows? We might see the uh, Balaam's donkey in heaven. Who knows? (laughs) Okay, Anton, I'm going to let you go, and and we'll we'll keep studying via email and stuff, and maybe maybe we can talk next week. Nice talking to you. Thanks for that great call, Anton. That was perfect, okay? You know what I mean. Thank you. See you later. Steve from Wisconsin. Go ahead with your Bible question or comment, please. Hey, Patrick. Thanks for taking my call. Um, the one thing people who want to use the thief on the cross as uh, an antecedent to baptism forget is that Jesus himself spoke in his own red letters to show you. And the reason the Pharisees and the scribes all came after Jesus is what did he say? I have the power to forgive sin here on earth. He alone has power to forgive sin. So the thief on the cross by Jesus' word, sins were forgiven by Jesus' own lips and words, as well as, you know, the uh, the um, uh, the gentleman on the mat, you know, which is easier for me to say your mm-hmm. sins are forgiven or get up and walk. Just to prove that I have the power to forgive sin here on earth, get up, take your mat, and walk. Yep. You know, I, I, I don't Steve, know let me. Jesus had the ultimate power to forgive sin while he was here on earth. You That's know, a good point. Let me read that. Ver- Steve, let me read that verse for the audience because uh, you're quoting it pretty good. But let me just read it because I like to people to to um, to uh, believe something because the Bible says it. And, th- and this is exactly what you're saying. It's Matthew 9, 6. Mark 2.10, but Matthew 9.6, it says, But that ye may know that the Son of Man hath power on earth to forgive sins. 
Then saith he to the sick of the palsy, Arise, take up thy bed, and go into thine house. So, Steve, you're exactly right. Jesus, while on earth, had the power to forgive sins, and he used that power to forgive the thief. And uh, But later, after Jesus is gone, he's not on earth anymore, he's given us his New Testament law that tells us the conditions we have to meet in order to be forgiven. And one of the conditions is baptism. Right, Steve? Correct. And by, by Jesus' own words, he could forgive sin. However, he did leave us the word, you know, the instruction of what to do after he was gone. So, thanks, Patrick. Enjoy Thank the you for your call, Stephen. You know, the thief on the cross, since he was not, since he was forgiven before the new covenant came into effect, he was forgiven just like Adam was forgiven. Adam didn't have to be baptized. Moses was forgiven. He didn't have to be baptized. Uh, Abraham, he was forgiven. He didn't have to be baptized in water. Water baptism wasn't required until the new covenant law. And that's why those folks didn't have to be baptized to be saved. But the Great Commission, which started to be preached in Acts 2.38, as we showed, teaches that a person has to be baptized for the remission of sins. Ananias told Saul, Arise and be baptized and wash away thy sins. Now Saul believed three days earlier on the road to Damascus. Now the Baptist argument would be that he was saved then because he believed. But this is at least three days later in chapter 22, verse 16. He's told to do something to get his sins forgiven. Obviously, he wasn't forgiven when he believed. He had to get baptized to get his sins washed away. All of these verses all say the same thing. They all prove conclusively you've got to be baptized to be saved. Bob from Texas, go ahead with your Bible question or comment, please. Yes, sir. Are you familiar with John 3.16? Yes, sir. One of my favorite verses would in you, the whole Bible. Would you read that and explain it, please? Yes. Do you want me to explain it uh, relative no, to what we're talking read. about? Just, no, I'm going I just to. want you to read it and then... Okay, go ahead, okay. please. Okay, I will. I, I like, I like For God's sake, I love that verse. Yeah, me too. Verse 16, John 3:16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Now... now where, yeah, go ahead, where Bob. Is baptism, where is baptism and works in that, please? Let me ask you this, Bob. See if you can understand this. Where is repentance in that verse? Where in that verse does Jesus say a person has to repent in order to be saved? It's not in that verse. Almighty That's God right. made the statement that whoever so you have to believes go... in him shall not perish, but, but... have ever lasting life. How do you Bob, explain that away? I'm, I'm not trying to explain, explain away, Bob. Bob, I, I, I'm, let me talk just a little bit. Bob, do you believe a person has to repent in order to be saved? That's part of that's part of salvation, okay. yes. Okay, so there's my point. This verse, no, John 3.16, this verse, John 3.16, all it proves is that a person has to believe to be saved. It doesn't rule out repentance. Other verses teach you have to repent to be saved, and Bob could see that. Bob could see that repentance is not mentioned in John 3.16, but Bob says repentance is required for salvation. So if he can see that repentance is required for salvation, even though it's not mentioned in John 3.16, then why not by the exact same reasoning can Bob not see that baptism is required by other passages for salvation, even though it's not mentioned in John 3.16? 
See, Bob realizes that John 3.16 is not telling us everything a person has to do to be saved. It doesn't tell us you've got to repent to be saved. So it's not, according to Bob, it's not telling us everything you've got to do to be saved. Since it's not telling us everything we've got to do to be saved, then it doesn't prove all you have to do is believe. It just proves that you do have to believe to be saved. But Jesus says in Mark 16.16, 16, He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. That proves that not only do you have to believe, you have to be baptized to be saved. John chapter 3, Jesus said, Except a man be born of water and of the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. So you cannot be saved unless you're born of water. And water baptism is the only thing in the New Testament that involves water that has spiritual significance. And so water baptism is necessary to be saved according to Mark 16, 16 and John chapter 3, verse 5. Herb from Texas. Go ahead with your Bible question or comment, please. I have a comment. Anton Go ahead. Mentioned, Anton mentioned uh, baptism as a work. It's a command. It's not a work. And the man that you're talking to just now, that, that baptism is the only way you can get into Christ. Yep. So. You know, that's a good point, Herb. Uh let me read that passage. Herb is making the point that baptism is how you get into Christ. And I like to, uh, we can read that from a passage like, Herb, how about Galatians three twenty six and 27? How about I read that? Would that be a good one? Yes. It says, here's what it says. It says, for you're all the children of God by faith in Christ Jesus. So we start out, it's talking about a person becomes a child of God by faith. But then verse 27 begins with the word for. In other words, it's introducing the reason. How do you become a child of God by faith? It says, for as many of you as have been baptized into Christ have put on Christ. So what the passage is saying is that the way you become a child of God by faith is by being baptized into Christ. So you become a child of God by faith by being baptized into Christ. And Herb is right. You're baptized into Christ. If you enter a room through a door, you go through the door into the room, Herb, that would mean that you, if if you haven't gone into the room access. yet, you're not in the room yet, are you? No, you gain access to the room. So if you're baptized into Christ, that means if you haven't been baptized, you're not in Christ, right? That's right. And what this is right. talking about, we're talking about being baptized into Christ, is talking about being baptized into fellowship with Christ, baptized into a saved relationship with Christ. So until you're baptized, you're not in fellowship with Christ. You're out of fellowship with Christ. You're in a lost condition. And Galatians three twenty six and 27 says that not only is the way you become a child of God by faith is by being baptized, that the way you get into Christ, into a saved relationship with Christ, is by being baptized into Christ. Is that your point, Herb? Yes, and they they get confused by terming baptism as a work. It's a command. It ain't a work. Herb, thank you so much for your call. Yep. Now, we're going to have to go off the air pretty soon, but I want us to note from Acts 22.16, which we were talking about, we use Acts 22.16, since Saul believed on the road to Damascus, yet he's being told to do something. In order to get his sins washed away, that proves that Saul's sins were not washed away when he believed. The caller that called earlier that said a person, all he has to do to believe is to be saved, we can prove that wrong just by looking at the verse we started out with tonight. Now let's look at it again. Remember Bob called in and said, John 3.16 proves all you got to do 
to be saved is believe, but then later he recanted that when he said, no, all you, you do have to repent, even though it's not mentioned in the verse. But the verse we started out with tonight, Ananias was told, arise and be baptized and wash away thy sins, calling on the name of the Lord. Well, if all you have to do is believe to be saved, why wasn't Saul saved on the road to Damascus? He believed at least three days before this verse. He believed on the road to Damascus when Jesus appeared to him. Now, at least three days later, he's being told to do something to get his sins washed away. So he obviously was not saved from his sins when he believed. It takes more than belief. And this verse is very clear. Ananias told Saul to rise and be baptized and wash away thy sins. So you have to believe and be baptized to be saved, just like Mark 16, 16. And here, he's already believed, he's already repented, and Ananias told him told Saul to be baptized to get his sins washed away. So baptism is the point when the blood of Christ washes away our sins. Appreciate you listening tonight. Now, if you want to talk more about the Bible, about anything, send me an email, BibleCrossfire at email.com. BibleCrossfire at email.com. We can talk forever.